Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit dogwood.church. We hope you enjoyed the message. We're glad you're here. You know, we are in week four of our series that we're calling Sent, S-E-N-T, subtitled Every Believer uh, a Witness, and we're learning uh, how to share our faith in Christ with people in an easy and effective way. Those words, easy and effective, that's what we're after uh, in this series. And each week, uh, uh, everyone here gets a, uh, a copy of notes. Um, so those of you on the left end of each row, reach into the offering basket, take out the stack of uh, notes, uh, student notes, pass those down. Everybody needs one. And uh, then pass those baskets back, or if you did send the basket, grab a pen and um, we're going to jump in. Now, as you're doing that, let me give you a little review of what, where we've been. In week one, we discovered how to overcome our apathy of just not caring about uh, witnessing for Jesus in our life. In week two, uh, we went to the scriptures in Act, the book of Acts, chapter 26, and we discovered an outline that God gives us to follow in telling our story, sharing our own faith uh, journey. Last week, in week three, we turned this uh, message time into a workshop, and uh, we took the time to write out at least a first rough draft of our own salvation story in Christ, our own faith story. We wrote a little bit about our life before Jesus came in. We told, we wrote down how we met Jesus, how he came into our life, and then we wrote just a little bit about our life after, since Jesus has come into our heart. And then we, uh, I gave you an assignment. We were going to practice reading our stories with two people uh, this week. So I'd love to hear how that went. So uh, somebody, somebody that, let me just ask you a couple of questions. Somebody that read your story to a couple of people, uh, I want you to talk to me about it. Who's, I'm not going to make you come up here. I'm going to come to you. Who, who, who did that? Okay, right here on the front row. Did y'all work this out so the camera was right right here? That was good, Wendy. You were, stand up, stand up. Tell them your name. Brian Dunn. Brian, are we on? Did you hear that? Brian Dunn. There. You heard it, Larry. Everybody, thank you, Larry. Larry heard it. So, Brian, you, uh, you read, you practiced your homework. Yes. And tell me, uh, how did you lead into the experience with the people? What, well, literally, what did you say? Well, I set it up, explained that we were just trying to practice and that it, it so made you me a little rough. So, so you said to them? It, it was a fellow Bible study member. So I said, hey, let's get our homework done and practice with, okay. with, with someone we can trust. Oh, good. Right okay, good. Just, just like I told you. Yes. Yes, right, right. And uh, how did that go? It went a little rough, but we got through it. And, <laughs> you're still here. I'm still here. You're still, still, you survived. still beaten, yeah. Oh, good, good. Uh, perfect. So say thanks. Yeah. Who else? Who else? Uh, who else did did the exercise this week? Y'all know y'all are looking a lot like I used to look in Mrs. Ragsdale's Algebra One class, and you're kind of looking down. So I know what that look means. But who who did? Who else? Did I see a hand? Okay, Mrs. King, stand up for us. There you go, and tell them your name. My name is Dara King. Great. And tell us uh, about your, who did you read your story to? 
I read the story to a dear friend that's in the church here with me and also my sister that lives in Florida. Oh, wonderful. Who is um, responsible for me being a Christian. No kidding. Mm-hmm. No kidding. Yeah. So how did you, le- how, how did you, le- just, what did you say to him to get started? Okay, I just said that you had given us the assignment to write out our testimony uh-huh. and to read it to at least two people. Good. And, how and, did- and two people that you wouldn't be afraid of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and how did that go? It went well. Great. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay. Let's say congratulations. Good. Good, good, good. Way to go. Way to go. Now, that, that's, uh, that's an easy way to lead in. My pastor's making me do this. You know, he gave me homework. He, he, uh, uh, we're, we're, we're writing out our story, and I've got to read it to two people. And can, may, I, may I read my story to you? And that's an easy way uh, to do this. Now, I gave you an easy way to get started, even with people that you know very well, even with people, other Christians, uh, because witnessing for Jesus for most Christians is a little bit scary. It's a little bit scary. It can make a, we can become a little bit anxious. We can become a little bit nervous, maybe even uh, terribly afraid. In fact, this is one of our problems that we must overcome. This is one of the barriers to uh, witnessing for Jesus as a lifestyle, and that is our fear, our anxiety over these things. So today, I want to teach you how to defeat your fear. Now, let me tell you what I mean by that. Or what I don't mean by that. I don't mean that we are going to uh, show you how you can totally eliminate any fear of witnessing. In fact, you'll see in a second, I don't think that'll ever happen. Now, for some of you, you you have very little already. uh, But I do think that you can greatly diminish your fear. I've discovered at least seven ways in God's Word, where He teaches us how to defeat our fear. I'm not want to eliminate fear. I want to give you courage, show you how you can have courage. And those of you um, uh, who have certainly been in our armed services, you know that courage is defined not as the elimination of fear, but the, abil- the ability to do the right thing even in the face of our fears. And you can do that. And uh, I've got that's pretty good news. So we... We want to at least move your fear from a phobia down to a manageable uh, little bit of nervousness. How's that? Now, uh, I found the definition of phobia this week, and here's what it says. A persistent, abnormal, or illogical fear of a specific thing or situation. Persistent, abnormal, illogical fear of a specific thing or situation. And so I googled phobias. My soul. There are are lists and lists and lists of fears that that human beings have, uh, have that have made it all the way into the category of a persistent, abnormal, illogical, irrational uh, fear. Some of them are kind of funny. How about this one? How many of you know uh, this one? Uh, Ophidophobia. Anybody know what that one is? It's the fear of snakes. Yeah, the fear of snakes. Like if, I, if you want to have a lot of fun, go to YouTube and search for fear of snake pranks. It's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. People, you know, like 
snake. And everybody gets nervous. And so fear of snakes, ophidophobia. Here's another one. Do you know this one? Cacophobia. It's the fear of ugliness. It is the irrational fear of becoming ugly. Now, I did see, you know, I've reported on this before. A Gallup poll has reported that one out of every three Americans are ugly. I don't know. Let's let's see if that's true. I want you to look at the person to your right. (laughs) And and look at the person to your left. And if neither one of them are ugly, (laughs) busted. Okay, cacophobia, fear of ugliness. Now, here's one that this community should surely know. I mean, we should get this one. Aviophobia, fear of flying, fear of flying. It's been interesting having lived in, in two airline communities. A church I served in Texas for five years um, was in Euless, Texas, which those of you in the airline community know the Euless City property borders the DFW airport property. A lot of airline people there, and, of course, right here. Uh, in the Magic Kingdom, uh, tons and tons of, you know, it's pretty much an airline ghetto here. And, uh, but the number of you airline folks that are, tell me you're white knuckle flyers, that's fascinating. None of you pilots do, thank God. Um, but others of you, uh, that's been very interesting. Cacophobia, I mean, aviophobia. Here's another one. Uh, phylacrophobia. The fear of going bald. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. Some of us are kind of proud of it. You know, God made a few good-looking heads, and he covered the rest up with hair. Uh, so, uh, and then here's one, uh, pentherophobia. Anybody know what that one is? Pentherophobia. It is the irrational fear of your mother-in-law. <laughs> Whew, I wonder who had that one first. Uh, then we've got glossophobia. Fear of speaking in public. The fear of speaking in public, by the way, which year after year, Americans say in these polls about what they're afraid of, that they rank fear of speaking in public as as our number one fear. Uh, They actually rank it higher than their fear of death, which means that if you're at a funeral, you'd rather be the guy uh, in the box than the guy up talking about him. I don't, you know, say, well, that's irrational. Yeah, that's the definition of a, uh, of a phobia. But now here's one. This one's going to be on the screen. Take a look at this one. Sesquipedalophobia. What? I thought I heard somebody say it. Let's show them. The fear of long words. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. Well, the fear of long words. Well, what we're dealing with today in our talk is the fe- is witnessophobia. It's an irrational fear of witnessing, an abnormal fear. And so we want to reduce that down to at least something that's manageable, that we can reduce fear, increase courage to do the right thing uh, for the right reasons with the right uh, right results. And I found at least seven ways that you can overcome your fear of witnessing in the Scriptures. And so here's a coaching session. Let's just jot these down right quick. The first thing is this. Understand that fear is normal. A level of fear is normal. Let me, let me describe some of God's great champions to you. 
like Moses in Exodus chapter 2 when Moses stood before the burning bush and God spoke to him and commissioned him and called him to go back to Egypt to lead the people out of slavery. Moses was afraid. He was afraid um, no less than the prophet Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19, even after the great display of God's power on Mount Carmel where the 400 prophets, false prophets of Baal were defeated and, and fi- God sent fire from heaven and all this miraculous stuff took place, then when he was confronted by a threat from the evil queen Jezebel, he was afraid. So afraid he ran into the wilderness 40 straight days. Uh, he was afraid. Um, the apostle Peter In Matthew chapter 26, when he's out warming his hands uh, by the enemy's fire, when a little servant girl confronted him and said, you were with Jesus, Jesus is on trial, he was afraid and he denied Jesus. Why? He was afraid. He was afraid. There's some fear there. But then the guy that I think was not afraid of anything, the Apostle Paul, yet he describes his fear to us in two passages, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, he's writing to the Christians in the church at Corinth, and he's describing when he first came to that cosmopolitan city with the gospel, here's what he said. When I came to you announcing the mystery of God to you, I did not come with brilliance of speech or wisdom. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Watch this. I came to you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. I mean, this is the Apostle Paul. This is the guy who stood before kings and testified. This is the guy who was snake bit and shipwrecked and beaten and left for dead all about his witness for Christ. And yet he says, when I came into town, I was a little bit nervous about witnessing. Well, I just realized one day, you know, if the Apostle Paul was a little anxious, I'm probably going to be a little anxious. And so a level of anxiety or a level of nervousness about witnessing for Jesus is probably going to be there. But it does not have to be an illogical, irrational fear to the point that it keeps you from uh, witnessing. So uh, expect a little bit. It's okay. It's okay. Second thing I've discovered that helped me increase my courage for witnessing and decrease my any level of nervousness about it was this. Ask my friends to pray for me. You ask your friends to pray for you. This is a prayer I'd like for you to pray for me as your pastor. It is in Ephesians chapter 6 verses 19 and 20. Here's what it says. The Apostle Paul, again, writing to the Christians in the church at Ephesus, said, And pray also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Now, he's mean having enough boldness or courage to simply effectively and easily Share the gospel. Share his story. Um, That boldness does not mean obnoxiousness. It just means having enough boldness to have the conversation. 
to share the gospel. And so he asked the Christians in the church to pray for him that God would give him the boldness, the courage to share the gospel. So in your life group, why don't you this week, as you meet in your life groups, or maybe you gather with your ministry team, whatever ministry team you're on, say, hey, can we all agree that we will write out this verse and we will pray for each other? Pray for me. Ask your friends, ask your life group. I'm asking you as my church family, as your pastor, that you would pray for me. Uh, not so much. It's pretty easy for me to get up and talk to a crowd. I get nervous when it's one-on-one. Pray for me in all of my conversations as I go through the community each week that I would be appropriately bold and declare the gospel as I ought to speak, just as I ought to tell it. And so that's a good thing that you can do. Look at, at the sidebar there. 2 Thessalonians 3.1, Paul writes to the Christians in the church at Thessalonica, and he says, Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as it happened among you. So you can, you can increase your courage and reduce your worry about witnessing if you'll expect a little anxiety, a little fear, a little nervousness about it. If you will ask your friends to pray for you, and here's a third way I've discovered, and it is this. Expect to face opposition. Expect opposition. Don't be, don't be upset when it comes if somebody makes a little fun of you. I, I, you know, one of the favorite, my favorite people on the planet is one of the five men who's had the most impact on my life. I'm hope, I hope he's at home watching us on Facebook because he doesn't get out as much as he used to. But my father-in-law, Preston Smith, Allison's dad, uh, he told me uh, again once again when I was out to see him on Friday with Allison, uh, his story of being saved, Mark, and uh, he of being saved in a little, uh, a, a little town in West Georgia, Tallapoosa, Georgia, and he went to a revival meeting on a Wednesday night at Westview Baptist Church and came under conviction of his sin, prayed to receive Christ. He was a high school student, and he went out to get into his pickup truck to drive home, and his cousin came and jumped up on the, the, the sideboard there of the truck and said, Hey, Preston, cuss a little for me. I bet you can still do it. And he, and he made a lot of fun of him because he'd come to faith in Christ that night. And... uh he said four years later, his cousin came to faith. But he, but he had a little opposition right away. What, is that good? Is, so what? Now, you may get more opposition than that. Some of our brothers and sisters are losing their lives because they're coming to faith in Christ. But, but expect a little opposition. It's not the worst thing that could ever happen to you. Jesus said in John 15, 20, take a look at it on the screen. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Now, I, look at me. I, I am a people pleaser. I mean, I want everybody to like me. I want everybody to like me. And uh, how could they not like me? You know, that's the way us people pleasers are. And it bothers us if people don't like us. But we, we have a great, uh, a, a great temptation to fall over beyond just wanting to, to get along with people into what the Bible calls the fear of man. That means that you care more about what people think of you than what God does. In fact, I gave you a, a book that I recommend I gave to our congregation four or five years ago uh, with the title... Uh, 
when people are big and God is small. And, and it's for those of us who um, are tempted to give way to the fear of man. Well, um, those of us who have a greater sensitivity toward that inappropriately, that the, that the, that the approval of people becomes an idol, then um, it's good for us to remember, hey, you're going to face a little opposition if you follow Jesus. You may face a whole lot. Follow him anyway. Follow him anyway. And so uh, that'll increase your uh, courage. There's a fourth way that I discovered to increase our courage and decrease our anxiety over witnessing for Jesus, and it is this. Focus on the rewards. There are rewards that God promises you and me for our faithfulness in witnessing for Jesus. Look at the sidebar, Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 11. Jesus said, blessed or graced are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. Because great is your reward in heaven. Uh, so what are those rewards in heaven? I don't know what they all are, but they, God says they're coming. He has them for us. 1 Corinthians 3.8 says, Each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. And there are earthly rewards. There are rewards here for sharing our faith. One of those is spiritual understanding, uh, a greater growth in our knowledge and understanding of God. In fact, one of the greatest spiritual thing, one of the greatest things you can do to put you on a bullet spiritually is to be active in sharing your faith. Uh, in the little book of Philemon, verse 6, the scriptures say this, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Every good thing we have in Christ. And so, Focus on your rewards. There's a fifth way that I discovered to increase our courage and overcome our fear of witnessing, and it is this one. Forsake the win-them mentality. What I mean by that is this. Forsake the idea that it all depends upon you, that, if, that, that you are totally responsible for people coming uh, to faith, for being saved, for responding and receiving Christ. Forsake that mentality. The Apostle Paul, once again, writing to the Christians in the church at Corinth in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, wrote to them these words. He says, what, after all, is Apollos? Now, Apollos was another Christian minister in the area at that time who had ministered to the church at Corinth. What is Apollos and what is Paul? He's speaking about himself in the third person. Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Now, we are responsible to sow the seed of the gospel as broadly as 
and widely and indiscriminately as possible. Get the good news out there to as many people as you can, any way you can, every time you can, all over the place. We are responsible for uh, sowing the seed. We are responsible for watering the seed, keeping on praying for and cultivating and, and explaining the gospel to people that we've shared with. But God is the one who does the saving. He is the one who does the saving. Look at Jesus said in, in the sidebar there in John chapter 6, verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So when we realize, okay, that's God's job to get the saving done. It's my job to deliver the message. It takes a little bit of the heat off of us. You have a little bit more courage there. Well, I've also found there's a sixth way of increasing our courage for witnessing and and overcoming any anxiety that we might have, and is this one. Don't forget that you actually do have good news. You're not bringing bad news to them. You're bringing good news to them. Very, very good news. The gospel, the word gospel actually means good news. Uh, Let's go all the way back to the Christmas story. Let's go all the way back to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you, and I love this, good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Good news of great joy. It's good news for people to be for them to hear that Jesus has made a way for them to have all of their past completely forgiven. All of their present sins. The sins in the future to be completely forgiven forgiven and that Jesus has made a way for uh, life in the present to be managed and lived to the fullest and Jesus has made a way for their eternity to be secured it's very very good news for people that through Jesus they can be fully accepted by God fully loved and approved by God the Father that they can live daily under his care and his provision and his supervision that they that they can uh, be free from the fear of death, uh, that they no longer have to fear uh, death. It is very very good news. I mean, Jesus it speaks of Jesus in Luke chapter eight verse one in the sidebar of your notes. There, after this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The king, that the kingdom of God, the reign and rule of God in the hearts and lives of men and women and boys and girls and families and cultures in this world is a very, very good thing. You, have, you actually are a messenger of good news, not bad news. Well, I found that there's a seventh way that helps me have the courage each day to share my faith with people as I have opportunity. And it is this, number seven. Finally, remember, this is an obedience issue. This is an obedience issue. Um, Jesus commands us to do this. He commands us to do this. This is not an option. 
This is not a suggestion. This is not something that we grow into. Uh, Jesus commands it. Uh, This is the theme verse of our series. John 20, verse 21 on the screen. It says this. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Listen, you... Uh, and Jesus said in John fourteen fifteen, if you love me, you will obey what I command. I was in a conversation with a young minister in, in a coaching situation this past week. And he asked me, he said, well, pastor, when, he said, I know in your mission, you, you, make, you guys are trying to make more followers of Christ. Yes, we're trying to lead people to become followers of Christ. You're trying to make better followers of Christ, growing people in their faith, in their walk of discipleship. I said, yes. He said, how can you tell when someone's on the right track? I thought a minute and I said, well, they, they take in God's Word, the Bible, and they obey what it says out of a love for and gratitude for the love of God toward them in Christ Jesus. They're pursuing knowledge of God's will and ways in His Word, and they're obeying it, and they're obeying it for the right reason, because they love Jesus and what He did when He died on the cross and rose from the dead. Now, that's you. How are you doing with that? It is, a des- not all, it is a desire to obey Jesus and an actual life of obeying what He says because we love Him so much because He loved us first. That is a, that you're on the right track. You're on the right track. If, if you have no desire to obey Jesus, I mean, if you wake up and it's never a thought, I just want to do my own thing, go my own way. Sometimes the guy says, Ah, oh, Pastor, I took care of that. I was, you know, I would, I accepted Jesus in vacation Bible school as a little boy, and my granddaddy baptized me, and I'm good, I'm, but I'm doing my own thing. I said, he said, you have no desire to obey Jesus? You don't? No, he said, I never think about it. And I said, listen, if you never think about obeying Jesus, I don't care if you, who baptized you and if they did it in the ocean so many times that every fish knows you on a first-name basis. You're not a Christian. You're not saved. You're, I don't know what you are. You got vaccinated against the real thing. Because followers of Jesus love Him, and because they love Him, they find out what He wants done, and they do it as an act of love. Next question. And one of those things we do is we witness to this love of Christ. It is an act of obedience. And so we don't wait until we witness until we feel like it. We don't wait. We cannot wait to witness until we want to do it. We cannot wait to witness until we say, I feel led to witness. What do you mean feel led to witness? There's no feeling to it. He said, do it. You're already led. You're already sent. You're already commissioned. Go. Get with it. Do it. Whether you feel like it and when you don't feel like it. It's an obedience issue. And when I remember, Barbara, that it's an obedience issue, I'm like, oh, oh yeah, I, oh yeah, marching orders. And so it increases my confidence and decreases my anxiety about it. Dave, as I go through my day, I begin to look for it. I'm supposed to be doing this. You know, 
whether y'all pay me or not. You know, y'all pay me to be good. You're to be good for nothing. (laughs) And so um, just get after it. Do it. Uh, So based on what we've seen in God's Word, and let's just remember here, you can increase your courage to witness for Christ, and you can decrease your anxiety if you'll understand that a little bit of fear is normal. A little bit of anxiety, nervousness might be normal because a lot's at stake for people. Number two, if you'll ask your friends to pray for you to have boldness, if you'll expect uh, opposition, if you'll focus on the rewards that God gives you, if you will forsake the win-them mentality, if you won't forgive, Get that you actually do have good news for these people in your world. And finally, if you'll remember, that is an act of obedience. So what should we do? Well, write this down in your notes there. Make the decision to defeat fear in your lives. Now, here's, here's what I've done this past week as I prepared for this talk. I have taken these seven reminders to myself that I've known for a long, long time And I I put them in this note sheet and I put it in my prayer journal where I have my quiet time alone with the Lord to start my day. And I've been praying through them. And I've been meditating on them. And I've been letting the Word of Christ dwell richly within me as as I do so. And I've been saying, oh, yes, Lord, yes, I remember. Okay, I remember. Yes, good, thank you. And you, you remind yourself, let God remind you from His own Word. And you pray through these things. And so... Um, I've been doing some reading at the start of the year, you know, uh, on, on developing good habits. And I've discovered some of the stuff I'd heard in the past was a myth that you can do something 21 straight days and you'll, it'll be a habit. Probably not. It's more like 90 days. Sometimes it's uh, maybe a six months that you do something until it becomes part. So here's what I'd encourage you to do. Take the notes that you have here. Start this week and... Um, it's kind of like those of you in the program. When you got in the program, they said, I want you to do 90 meetings in 90 days. Well, church, I want you to have 90 meetings with God in 90 days on this issue. 90 days in a row, open it up, pray through these notes, say, Lord, okay, and then begin to do what he said here, remember, do it, and, 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 and pray that he would work this into your spiritual DNA. And... Um, now, let's, let's see how we do in 90 days from now on this. Y'all may be a bunch of wild-eyed evangelists in 90 days, about a, totally out of control in here. And, uh, but, but practice these things. So make the decision to defeat your fear by putting this into practice. This is what I'm doing for 90 days. I'm going to join you. It's going to be right there on top of my Bible. Mark, first thing I pray through. Got my, now, I, I get the coffee made, wash your face, wake up, sit down, be ready to go, and... Get with God and pray through these things. But then today, make a commitment to do so. Look in your notes there. Knowing it is God's will and with God's help, starting right now, I will not let fear keep me from witnessing. This is a commitment between you and the Lord Jesus. Just just sign your name before Him and put the date there. And then here's your homework this week. Pray this every day. God, I want my friends to know Jesus the way I do. Help me defeat the fear I feel when I think about talking to them about Jesus. That's a good prayer. And then uh, practice your story two more times this week. 
Do it, do it with people that are safe if you want to. Again, a, your, your spouse or your kids or your parents or your brothers and sisters or um, you know, uh, one of your friends in your life group or on your ministry team. Or if, if maybe there's someone on your impact list, someone that you care about who's not a believer yet, but you are you got enough courage to say, hey, I wanna, I wanna, I'm practicing telling my story. Can I read it to you? And then we'll see how it went next week, okay? Got it? Got it. Good. Let's pray. So, Lord, thank you uh, for your great salvation. And thank you that you called us to partner with you in this work of the gospel. And so I pray for everyone in this room. I pray what Paul prayed. I pray that you would give them boldness. Lord, um, give them great boldness to uh, share the gospel. I pray that in opening their mouth that they would proclaim this mystery of the gospel boldly as they ought to speak. Give them open doors, Lord, and uh, help them to even knock on the right doors. And so we thank you for these things. It is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you would like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword DOGWOOD to 77977 or click the Give link online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcasts, video, and to give.